Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Today's guest, Ron Malsani of Securify, talking about the Almond 3 router on today's Smart Home Show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Smart Home Show. My name is Michael Wolf. Today's guest is Ron Malasani, the CEO of Securify, the company behind the Almond router. They just released their Almond 3 router, shipping in shipment to some of you who probably have ordered it at this point, at this time. So uh, we talk about that. We talk about where Ron sees his company going, where he sees his smart home going, and, and the router's place in the broader smart home. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's a cold, blistery day. It's October 31st. It's Halloween here in the States. I haven't seen any scary clowns yet, but I'm sure that's on the docket. Tomorrow, I'll be flying out to San Jose down to uh, Northern California for the Smart Home Summit. It's a conference where I'm speaking or moderating a panel. So if some of you are going there, I'll see you there. I know that some folks I've talked to are going there, some of of the listeners to the podcast. So if you want to connect, just uh, reach out to me, email me, uh, tweet at me. I'll be there. I want to thank everyone who's responded positively to the spoon. I've gotten lots of uh, people emailing uh, out to me, uh, indicating that they've enjoyed reading our new site on the future of the kitchen and food and cooking technology. So I appreciate that. If you want to visit it, go to the spoon.tech, check it out. As always, you can subscribe to the smart home show in iTunes, as well as pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So if you haven't already done so do so, if you haven't given us a review on iTunes, we always appreciate that. That's it for now. Let's talk to Rom. Hey, I'm really happy to have Ram Malasani on the podcast today. How you doing, Ram? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? Great. You were up actually at uh, in Seattle. You stopped by my event, the Smart Kitchen Summit, and it's a little bit of a departure, you know, uh, a little bit distant from what you think about probably every day as a maker of routers. You're the CEO of, of Securify, the maker of the Almond Routers. Uh, but uh, we had a chat earlier about one thing that intrigued you was the Dash replenishment service, this idea of auto-replenishment. You were intrigued by that. Let's let's talk briefly about that before we dive into the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, you know, it's it's somewhat tangential to what uh, we do, but it was a great experience uh, for me just understanding where the smart kitchen is going. I think uh, I honestly didn't expect this much was going on in this area. So that was really good to know. And uh, the second thing that I found was interesting is this auto replenishment services whether it's through the Amazon Dash API or maybe some of the manufacturers are doing it uh, directly themselves uh, where, you know, they detect that you are low on certain supplies, whether it's a coffee maker or spice dispenser or a juice maker. I thought that was really fascinating. I, I thought it's actually a great revenue model in the IoT space because you not only just sell the device, but you know, you're selling future replenishment. So I I thought that was an extremely interesting aspect of the uh, um, all the products I saw at the Smart Kitchen event. I've long found the whole Dash idea compelling and, and interesting from a business model perspective. And when you look at what it does long-term for traditional players, like if you're a grocery store, 
Uh, I think that's where Amazon is, is really looking for its next wave of growth from a, you know, a sales perspective where they're trying to sell just more products. All those things that are in the middle of the grocery store, whether it's toilet paper or Tide or <laughs> detergent, I think they, there's a huge massive market opportunity for them. I don't know how much of an opportunity there is for other players. Maybe if you are an appliance manufacturer, it makes sense because you could probably take a few pennies off of every transaction uh, that happens with Dash. So I think that does make sense for integration perspective for an appliance maker. What I also realized is, you know, the Dash button itself, it's, it's while it's a very novel concept in the long term, it might just be the stopgap before appliances integrate this into the appliance itself. Because say, you know, have a Dash button for Tide detergent, you know, you probably are out of detergent by the time you just realize you want to press that. And with the Tide, it's okay. Certain other types, maybe you can't wait till they're over. Like right? toilet paper. You don't want to wait two days exactly. for toilet paper. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, so that's where, you know, this auto replenishment is, I think, such a fascinating idea because, you know, it's like the rules engine in the smart home interface. That's what it is, right? <laughs> Basically. It's, it's yeah. the rules engine tied with commerce engine. Exactly. Exactly. We also uh, had at the, at our, at the conference, Charlie Kindle from uh, Amazon Alexa Smart Home. That was probably interesting to you because you guys have announced your Alexa integration. So I want to talk a little, talk a little bit to you about voice interfaces and what that means to someone like Securify. Um, what, what was the original idea? Why did you want to do an Alexa integration? Great question. I think it's been a while since I was on the uh, on your podcast. So there's a lot of information to dump here. <laughs> so Dump away. We, yeah, we are very bullish on voice and, you know, Alexa showed it, uh, showed the power of voice, especially in the smart home. But so we did the usual smart home things, you know, you can turn on lights, turn off lights and, uh, uh control thermostats through their default, uh, controls. Uh, I think the native smart home skill on Alexa. So we did that, you know, a lot of other companies did that as well. We went beyond that. We did, uh, we have our own custom almond skill that does scenes, um, in the smart, for smart home, whether it's movie scene or dinner scene. Uh, you can also do home away modes. So all these still come under the smart home bucket, but we see voice going beyond smart home, uh, products itself because we, I just personally think it's a much, much better interface than the app interface, especially when you are at home, when you are in the living room or kitchen or, you know, it's just so much easier to say something to Alexa as opposed to, you know, fumbling around for your phone and unlocking the phone and finding the app, all of that, right? So we actually became the first router manufacturer to control certain aspects of the router through Alexa. For example, the first command we did this way is Alexa block kids internet so (laughs) it's probably the best way uh, to get your kids to the dinner table maybe the fastest way (laughs) so we've done a couple of more things um, uh, you know alexa enable guest wi-fi disable guest wi-fi so we just think the voice as an interface is extremely fascinating for uh, many things that you do at home and it's it's a much um uh, an interface with much lower friction 
than any app interface uh, for certain things. And the router's place, particularly your router's place as kind of the the center of the home network, but also the smart home, you know, people who aren't familiar with the home router, you guys have essentially a, a router slash smart home hub. Um, there, there offers a lot of different things you could touch. Talk about how you've, you know, as you integrate with Alexa and you think of more things, talk about that evolution. Is it something where you work with Amazon directly to say, hey, we want to add this new feature set? Or once you've kind of tied in through an integration and into their API, is it, is it fairly straightforward to add new features? So it's a great question. What we found is Amazon is pretty rigorous about the user experience uh, and the performance. Um, the perform- when I talk about performance, it's, you know, how are the response times between the servers? So they are very extensive about these tests. So when you do the default type of interactions, so like the lighting interface and the thermostat interface, which is part of their uh, default um, uh, commands today, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you follow that, you plug in the model where, you know, you there is a discovery system where they discover the lights and thermostats you have. And um, yeah, you just plug in the API and it works great. So there it's more or less straightforward. But when you do custom commands that um, uh, are not part of their default uh, command language, then sometimes there's more involvement because they want to make sure that voice interaction feels right uh, because customers have a certain expectation of how Alexa behaves when they interact with it. And, you know, even for Securify, this was the first time we ever did voice interaction. So, you know, we didn't come into this with a lot of experience on what are the best practices. So we learned a lot from Amazon on this. Uh, You know, in fact, the very first custom skill we did actually took a lot longer than we anticipated because uh, we just weren't aware of all the little things that we have to take care of to get the interaction model right. So it sounds like they are protecting it and kind of make ensuring the quality of the experience. It maybe feels a little bit like the early days of Apple with the app store. There's a, you know, there's very much a hands-on approach and certainly certain still is to a certain degree compared to like the more wild west of like an Android (laughs) type of app store. Um, so that, that makes a lot of sense. And as you guys build up that internal expertise, it probably will streamline them over time. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's the right analogy. It's a very Apple-like, uh, I think, uh, experience. And, uh, that's probably also the, one of the big reasons for its success, you know. It's a very tightly done product in terms of expectations. You know, they they only did a few things in the beginning, but the expectations were set narrowly. And those few things, it did exceptionally well. So they just, I think, I, I can see that they them wanting to protect that experience. So customers don't blame Echo or Alexa for the, you know, problems with, say, our skill or any third-party skill. I don't know if you've bought your Google Home yet. <laughs> I actually purchased mine. I'm still waiting for it. Uh, what are your thoughts on what what Google's doing? Their answer to the the, uh, the Amazon Echo. Are are you enthusiastic about it? You think that they'll have the same sort of excitement around what they're doing? I think it's you know Google's Google's the company to watch in this space. I mean, uh, Echo uh, and Alexa have a pretty big lead, but. Just in terms of, um, you know, Google, ha- I 
my google knows my calendar google knows my email so so there's just a level of uh, context that google has that amazon and uh, amazon simply doesn't have i mean amazon knows what i'm purchasing uh, but in my day to day life what i do you know google knows a lot more about it now that will make some folks uncomfortable but i'm i'm looking forward to it i think it's a it's a great uh, uh, great thing that they're jumping in so this is going to get very competitive between the big players but i it's possible google might have a better product than amazon but i guess we'll have to wait and test but i think where they will be lacking is the number of uh, sort of skills or integrations amazon has a huge lead there so google may have a naturally better interface and you know um uh, data uh, but i guess they won't have that many skills so that's cuz even for us they haven't opened it up to uh, the generic they haven't released apis so anyone can develop skills for it so i think that's an area where they have a lot of work to do before they can catch up with uh, the alexa platform you're right on the contextual understanding that i think google brings to the table with regards to they own so much of the data for me because I do everything in Gmail. The Google Calendar uh, is, is really how I kind of build my day from a business standpoint. And then I use an Android phone. So it is scary, but it also potentially could bring a lot uh, of interesting potential contextual understanding to my life. So we'll see where that goes. I do also want to talk to you about security. That's another thing that's obviously been in the news, uh, like anyone in tech, but also beyond tech. This story has gone beyond tech. The DDoS, DDoS attack, uh, from the, the Mariah malware, uh, has, has really kind of taken, uh, people, and I guess the general awareness of security holes and, and, and problems around IoT to the next level. And so you as a, a router manufacturer, um, I'm sure thinks a lot about how to make your, your hardware safe. Um, so I, I'd love to get your kind of first pers- perspective about that. Then maybe we could dive in about, you know, how you guys kind of go about making sure you guys don't experience a similar experience with your hardware. It's, it's really interesting when you think about it because, you know, all this time when people like you and me get together and talk about IoT security, we always used to talk about the other way around. If you remember, you know, everyone used to worry about, Oh, you know, someone's going to hack my thermostat or, um, yeah. uh, or lighting and, and mess with my life. But in like, that's not what's happening here. It's been, Oh, they're hacking it, but not to mess with your lighting or whatever, but mess with the rest of the internet using them as puppets, I suppose, to go after these, you know, services or other services. So it's kind of a fascinating reverse there that. I don't think anyone anticipated that, at least until we saw the Brian Krebs. I think he he was attacked with the same um, uh, same tool. So, and going back to the source of it, apparently it was uh, leaving the default password as it is, uh, from what I've read. I think reports are still coming out, but some of the initial analysis seems to be that a bunch of these uh, right. uh, ca- video cameras, and the DVRs that are um, uh, the origin for these attacks, yep. they all had default passwords. And by the way, like when we first started Securify in 2012, back then we were talking about this danger of default passwords. And in fact, the very first tweet we we sent out was something about secure Wi-Fi because it was a very simple idea that we talked about back then. What we understood from talking to a lot of users is 
people are intimidated by their routers because you know they're they've always been difficult to deal with with the interface you know the 192 interface and they usually never touch it because they're afraid if they do something they're going to break something there and the internet's going to go down right so a lot of folks never change default passwords because they're afraid that they'll mess up a bunch of other things with that we thought just having that simple touchscreen interface on it actually makes it more secure because you know it's so much so easy to change a password so you just go tap on it or look for it so you're more likely to change and we also um, from the from day one we have randomized passwords uh, at factory and uh, actually whenever you do a factory reset on any of the armen devices all the passwords are randomized again and a new set of passwords are generated i mean this is such a simple thing i cannot right, right, right. emphasize the importance of uh, password basic password um, randomization so it's you know the fact uh that you thought about how the user experience impacts security was something you were thinking about early on and and so i i agree with you like most people are afraid to get in there and and mess with the password bring up the 192 screen on their on their browser it's intimidating and some people just quite frankly are lazy and don't really think about how uh you know this could impact them so i think that that's a great perspective i think from a, someone who, like yourself who designs h- hardware just making sure that there's some basic uh user experiences that will encourage people to do this but also then that you're talking about at the at kind of at the factory level you're also doing randomization around passwords so you don't have this really base level security hole with everyone using the same exact password from the same manufacturer you guys avoided that as well from the outset user experience plays a big uh role in terms of you know setting the right defaults essentially because the the reality is there is a large number of consumers they stick to defaults you know they don't they don't have the uh sometimes know how or time to go change defaults you know they'll they'll go with the defaults so, and and that's a big problem when you have these hundreds of millions or billions of devices you know 20% of them keeping their defaults that's few hundred million devices right so i'd be interested do you do you guys when you look at you know how you build your 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 router um and the software you're using is this something you guys think about making sure that the the foundational software doesn't have security holes can't be you know if someone decides to open source it can't really be kind of be hacked something that is out of your control do you guys think a lot about that yeah we do we do i think this this second bit the problem is definitely much more complex i'm you know when talked about passwords i'm really going after the low hanging fruit because right. you know you you get that right it actually helps with a lot of cases but this is a more in depth issue where you really uh, it's it's really hard to figure out unless you do a lot of constant security testing making sure you're keeping up with updates uh, so that's what we do like we update even the very first armand that was shipped in 2012 uh, we are still updating that you know it's more than 4 years now uh, we still update it and i think that's the second thing i hear a lot where uh, there are these chinese manufacturers or even maybe american some of them they treat hardware as oh you know we shipped it we are done with it right but that's not the reality of these internet connected devices i mean cuz new security bugs and vulnerabilities are discovered all the time so the 
you have to be updating these devices regularly, especially against, now we do it for both. You know, we update because we want to improve the functionality, but at the same time, when we see that, you know, this particular code or module that we are using, um, you know, bugs have been discovered. So uh, this has to be fixed. And if you remember a couple of, um, I don't know, months ago or maybe a year ago, there were there were some serious bugs discovered in SSL, if you remember. Yep. Um, and, you know, we, we put out a big update for all of our routers to fix that problem. So it's that sort of a thing. There's, you know, no one can. Uh, and SSL is such an important piece of code. Like you can question, you know, why are we seeing bugs in SSL in 2015, right? But I don't think that's the right question because that's the nature of the security uh, stuff because this is pretty challenging stuff to uh, even find a bug. Uh, I think you just, as a hardware manufacturer, you have to make sure you are updating your devices and you make it easy to do. Again, that's the other thing. You know, we Almond routers, you can update either through the, uh, actually now you can update through the mobile app. You, you will actually see a little notice saying, you know, there's a new update available. You can just click on that or you can do it on the LCD and we are actually going to have a new, uh, with the, the new firmware's next uh, month, we will have auto updates. So when you set up the first time, we'll ask you, hey, we're going to update your router periodically uh, or check for new updates so you don't even have to do anything. So I think that's that's how you handle the uh, problems like this. Let's talk a little bit about where you guys are with SecureFi, you you have announced and, and you've launched the Almond 3. Um, people have been able to pre-order it. Talk a little bit about how, you know, the leaps you made or kind of the uh, what we, we were seeing with the Almond 3 versus your previous generation. I know one of the big ones is obviously mesh Wi-Fi, but I would kind of hear from you, you know, what exactly is the Almond 3 and what are what are the kind of the leaps forward you guys have made from your previous gener- generation? Yeah, so like you already pointed out, mesh is a big uh, new thing there that um, our first and second generation almonds did not have. Um, so mesh basically is a capability where we, you have a bunch of these devices, you know, when you have a big home, which can be covered by a single router, they talk to each other through a back call wired interface if you already have it, or they can also talk to each other wirelessly and just create a... a a seamless mesh Wi-Fi network throughout your entire home. So that's new in Almond 3. And the second uh, thing new is, uh, this is a minor thing, but it's a pretty interesting feature that I'm excited about. We have a programmable siren built in, um, and it can be used either as a siren for home security applications. It can also be used as a door chime. Uh, so we are coming out with a low-cost smart button. So when you combine that smart button with this door chime, you know, you've got a little connected doorbell. Um, so that's something I'm excited about. And the third thing is price point also. It's a pretty compelling price point for what it does. We had our Almond Plus, which was a high-end router that uh, did dual-band Wi-Fi and ZigBee and Z-Wave for about $200. A part of our second gen with Almond 3, it actually has more functionality with this mesh and the siren capability, but it's actually cheaper. A single unit goes for 149 and when you buy a bundle of three, uh, it goes for 399 So, so several uh, innovations in the product 
and uh, also uh, a better price point. So overall, we're very excited. And you guys are are taking a little bit different approach from some of the other kind of new entrants in the market that have positioned themselves as uh, mesh Wi-Fi, for example, like Eero, where you're basically allowing people to buy Dolman 3, but also you have the bundle. And are you pushing one or the, over the other, or do you are you just doing enough market education where people can decide what they want? Actually, if you go on Amazon pre-order page for us, you you can you can see all the choices there. Yep. You can either get the bundle or you can get the solo unit. Uh, so we put in the, the right marketing message there, saying who might need a bundle, where is a solo unit enough? Uh, so I think. Uh, bundle, we, we learned that bundle certainly helps because again, consumers are busy and they just want to get, be done with this Wi-Fi problem. If they have a problem at home once and for all, not, you know, spend weeks and months figuring out, oh, okay, I bought this one unit. It's not enough. I still got to buy one more. So it's bundle seems like a, a good, Consumer messaging. We have seen the split because we take pre-orders on our web page. We have a lot more people ordering bundles than the solo unit. So people are actually seeing the advantage. Um, the 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 consumer savvy enough today to understand like I can blanket my my home with multiple points, access points, and there's the mesh. Um, do you feel? I mean, am I wrong there, or is the consumer? Maybe it's partly due to your messaging. I mean, partly you've, maybe you've done a good job describing it, but is the consumer coming in and with a kind of a, a decent understanding of, Hey, there's this idea where we can blanket the, the house with this, this thing called mesh. And that's why we're going to order the bundle. Or are you, or are you guys just really good at writing your marketing copy? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, we've been transparent. Right? We are not hiding the fact that you can buy a single unit at all. So it's, it's, for those who want just one unit, they can buy anytime. Uh, so it's, I think it's just um, the consumers uh, understanding the value of it. But it could also be that, you know, mesh perhaps is still at that early stage where it's the tech savvy consumer who's perhaps buying that kind of bundle. So, uh, yeah, uh, it could be both. I mean, you know, who pre-orders stuff, right? It's It's really... The tech savvy folks, right. the mainstream consumers, I don't think they're quite into the pre-order uh, thing. Uh, I think yeah, that's my guess. So I was just noticing there's still, uh, if I wanted to, if people wanted to order and now you can still get a, a, a nice little savings if you do the pre-order on the Securify website versus Amazon. Because uh, I believe you guys have the 119 versus the 149. That's exactly right. So it's still 119 for the solo unit and 299 for the bundle, that's the pre-order pricing. Once it goes on sale, actually, uh, middle of next month, um, uh, it, the prices will go to one four nine and three nine nine. And is the the product available uh, on on Halloween? I think at least on Amazon, that's what it says. Or are we looking at mid mid November? Yeah, mid November is. Uh, I, I believe the exact uh, date will be like sixteenth. So we're actually in the process of shipping now. It's, um, yeah, shipping, it does take time for the Amazon, uh, warehouses to get inventory. And so before we, you know, make it go public. So that, that's what's going on right now. And much like your, your previous generations, this actually has smart home capability. You actually have Zigbee interfaces on this, this smart router. So talk a little bit about that and, you know, how you guys fleshed out that capability in the, in the generation three. 
Sure. So we, again, were the first company to recognize that Smart Home Hub should be integrated in router back in 2013 with our second-gen product, Common Plus, uh, which was launched on Kickstarter. And yeah, we continue to just go very deep in that uh, space. We have a lot more integrations now. I think we work with uh, several hundred compatible third-party devices, whether it's locks, lights, thermostats. Uh, Almond Plus had both ZigBee and Z-Wave integrated into the box itself. With Almond 3, we took out Z-Wave because Z-Wave, one issue we had was because we ship internationally, not just in the US, the frequencies are different, so the chips are different. So what we decided with Z-Wave was we will supply a Securify branded uh, USB Z-Wave dongle, low cost, you know, under $30 that you can plug into any Almond 3 and, you know, you don't have to do anything on the software, nothing. It just automatically detects it and you can start uh, pairing Z-Wave devices. So uh, this dongle is already live on Amazon. Uh, It's available today. So it's basically fully capable smart home system. Do you have any visibility to how many people are using uh, the Zigbee, the Z-Wave, the smart home capabilities of the the routers, the, the almond routers that are out there? It's a great question. I can't give the aggregate number, but, but what I can tell you is a percentage-wise, um, we we see that all of our uh, customers, more or less 98, 99% of our customers use it for Wi-Fi. Um, and, but the number of customers who are turning it into smart home, using the smart home hub aspects of it, uh, it's been growing over time. I think it's on an average, it's going above uh, 10, like closer to 15%, 20% on certain SKUs. Uh, so it used to be lower. So we've, so that's been a good sign where more and more people are uh, realizing the capability. And we are actually doing some discovery in the app because, you know, we did not really um, show anything there for consumers to know that it can also do all these things. The second thing that we think will help improve that number over time is what we are doing with Almond 3, where what we learned was a smart home hub for a regular consumer can be a pretty abstract concept. Yep. Um, so what we learned is if we could just give a little bit more tangible value, um, it's a much better thing rather than a very abstract hub. So this is where we think something like a built-in siren is interesting because it gets them thinking, hey, what is this? What can I do with this, right? And we haven't thought through some of these ideas yet, but we think perhaps like bundling it with a with a low-cost smart button or just one door sensor, it just opens up a whole world to them because they now know, oh, okay. So- yeah, so and you guys are actually outwardly messaging this idea of a router and security system. So they're going to buy it thinking, okay, security system, what does that mean? And then if you walk them through this idea of buying a, a Zigbee door sensor, um, then that's, that is a fairly straightforward and intuitive thing to do rather than just giving them a router and say, Hey, this is, this is smart home enabled. Like I, I can guarantee you most of my friends, if I gave this to them, they wouldn't really know what to do unless I told them what to do. Or there's some very straightforward and intuitive guidance with an app, which I think, and that's a challenge for everyone who's putting out things like smart home hubs or, or, or routers with smart home capabilities. 
it's getting average consumers to kind of make that leap. And so I think, like you said, just surfacing some of these capabilities, like the security aspect, I think can help you push that forward. I also think the, the, the Alexa integration, possibly if you start, if they could start to surface some of these skills and then they realize pretty quickly that, Oh, to do an Alexa integration with my door lock to lock the door, I need to actually buy a smart lock. So I think Alexa could probably help you guys as well. We are thinking along the same lines, which is discovery is key because they need to be told, hey, what's the benefit of this? And something tangible is is really nice there, whether it's a built-in siren or, you know, you give another door sensor. And Alexa also has been such a great um, uh, product in terms of user experience. I think telling them, hey, you know, here is a smart plug. You can control this just through Alexa, through voice. Um, these are these are some great discovery ideas. Have you thought about, <laughs> I don't Maybe you have, but it seems like if you bundled a, a Zigbee door sensor with your router, you would have basically a turnkey security system. Are these the types of things you guys are thinking about? You know, we haven't put together that bundle, but like I said, this is something we're thinking about. We're, we may uh, at some point just put that for free in, um, in our three bundle. We, it's just that we didn't have enough sensors for the initial launch. And so we didn't, plan this uh, um, ahead of time, but it's something we're thinking about. It's something we may we may start doing. Well, I love the idea of, of that type of turnkey packaging, but overall, I think I'm excited for the Almond 3. I've been using actually the Almond uh, the two, uh, 2015 in my house, uh, and I've long been a fan of you guys because you guys have been fairly innovative in your pro stores routers. The idea, the simple, it seems dropped it simple, but a touch screen on a router that no one had done that before. <laughs> when you guys did that, I'm like, that just makes so much sense. Um, and so, my, you know, my kids, for example, will just get the password off of that or, or whatever because no one wants to go into the browser. Uh, no average consumer wants to go to the browser to work with the router. So uh, I, I've long appreciate your guys' innovation. I appreciate you coming on the show, Ron. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. It's always a pleasure. It's a great show. Uh, you know, I always learn something new about what's happening in the industry. Uh, you know, thanks for doing this show, actually. It's a great service for uh, people like me. And I have more time to do more shows. I feel like I'm always apologizing because I go dark for a month, but that's not the case anymore. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, Ram, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Well, that was it. I hope you liked that. I always like talking to Ram. I'll be seeing him down in Northern California at the Smart Home Summit tomorrow. Hopefully, I'll see some of you there as well. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.